When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You just heard the most optimistic Warriors fan in history, Ryan from Petaluma, cheering during Wednesday night's Warriors watch party outside of Chase Center, an absolute blowout for our team. I'm so sorry you missed it, Heather. Well, I'm not sorry I missed that very poor performance, but I had fun at our very good friend Vanessa Hua's book launch in The Hate. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed that. Um, Downside on the Warriors watch party, the Warriors were down from beginning to end. Upside, in a game where the team was behind by 55 points at one point, I still had a good time. There were about 3,000 people there. I got to hang out with my son, got some good food. And it says something about Chase Center that even in a game where the team committed 100,000 turnovers, that's an estimate, but I think I might be low, you can still enjoy yourself. Yes, Chase Center is a whole lot more than basketball, um, although that's the big plus of it. There's so much to explore. Good food and restaurants and public art. The new Ed Lee statue is gazing over everything from those cool steps. So lots to do there. Yeah, and we caught up with Brandon Schneider, sat down for a podcast. He's the new president and chief operating officer of the Warriors, took Rick Welt's big shoes. He's just 41 years old, grew up where I grew up, was a waiter at El Fornayo in Burlingame, got a job cold calling people to sell Warriors tickets back when no one wanted to buy Warriors tickets. And he has a really good story, and, and uh, I, I had a great time talking with Brandon. Yeah, he's a a great example of sticking with a career. Um, That's not very common anymore these days, but he's been with the Warriors since he was 22 years old. So maybe that tells us that one day we can become publisher of the Chronicle. What do you think, (laughs) Peter? I I do not want to become publisher of the Chronicle. (laughs) Our publisher, Bill Nagel, is doing a wonderful job. I'm sure he's not listening to this. That's not sucking up. I just, he's a great guy. Helped us make the It's It costume. (laughs) So he can be publisher and you and I, I think, should keep doing our podcast And this is a fun one. Um, Ed Lee, we talked about the statue. It is staring at us through this whole podcast. We talk a lot about that. There's a lot of Clay Thompson content in this one. And we ask Brandon some kind of tough questions about the city, what it's like dealing with the city, uh, what it's like building an arena on the still unfinished central subway line. Yes, they thought that people would be able to ride the subway to the arena when it opened uh, three years ago and still not, but maybe one day. Fingers crossed I will ride the central subway to uh, Warriors Arena sometime. I took my bike yesterday and that was just fine. Ferry and bike works. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight, former Mayor Ed Lee, with us in spirit today. And this is Total SF. Thank you very much.
welcome to Total SF, Brandon Schneider. We're talking about Il Fornaio. Uh, <laughs> you were a waiter at uh, Il Fornaio in Burlingame, where I went often. I grew up in Burlingame, and you're saying that you remember the menu item menu items pretty well. I I could probably recite the vast majority of, of the menu. Yes, it's kind of it's a it's a weird problem that I have. I, I have good memories of the Il Fornaio days. So I'm coming in on a Monday night. I'm guessing the seafood's been there a couple of days. What's my best option on Il Fornaio on a Monday night? It all depends what you want. Um, if you are in the mood for pasta, which is good at an Italian restaurant, I would do the conchiglie al polo, shell pasta, chicken, trebbiano wine, garlic, broccoli, very good, fresh. Um, uh, I think the pizza's great. So margarita pizza, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then, if you, and then, or you could do you could do the tagliata chinin and do a little do a little beef tenderloin. Can't go wrong there either. Oh my gosh, either. this is making me hungry. We should have <laughs> catered the podcast recording. Well, we should mention to our listeners that you've had a few promotions since then. You're the Warriors <laughs> CEO and president. Um, I wanted to get your first Warriors memory because I know you're a Bay Area guy. Do you have a first memory? Was it a game? Was it on TV? So. I'll, I'll give you a couple. Um, growing up, my dad uh, shared season tickets with one of his good friends. So I think we got six or seven games every year. And I've got three younger brothers um, that are all big sports fans. Although in, in those days, there was only there was only two younger brothers because my youngest brother's 10 years younger than me. Um, and we used to fight over who would get to see, to go to the Michael Jordan game. So when the Warriors <laughs> were playing the Bulls, right? Because was, this, was, this was in the mid-'80s. Um, but my, and then my first, so the first game I ever went to, and this is like totally true. I'm not making this up. Was I had to, I just looked up the date because I, I wanted to know the date. It was February 1st, 1987. I knew it was the 86, 87 season. We beat the New Jersey at that time, New Jersey Nets in quadruple overtime, Whoa. 150 to 147. So I remember the the, the quadruple overtime part. Um, but I remember it because it was a Sunday night, and I'm at the game with my dad. And he, of course, made us leave, I think, like the first overtime. And I was not happy about this, by the way. Uh, but we won, and it was, I mean, it was amazing. And I've, I've been, you know, in love with basketball ever since. Who were the stars then? Who were the, who were the big players? Was that Mullen? I don't think uh, we had Serenus Marcellonis there yet. Not yet. So, so it, was, um, it was when I was a young kid. So then Joe Barry Carroll, Sleepy Floyd. And then you got into the run TMC with Moley, Mitch Richmond, Tim Hardaway. I remember Terry Teagle as a kid. Oh, yeah, he was uh, Rod um, Higgins, Otis Smith. Yeah, and Larry Smith. Yeah. Um, Mr., what do they call him? Mr. Mean, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those, those were the early days. I mean, I have such fond memories uh, of, that, of those run TMC days, although it didn't last as long as some people remember it. Uh, but that high-octane you know, brand of basketball. Yeah, I went to a lot of those games, the four hot dogs, four bags of chips, and four tickets for like, I don't think it was even $40. <laughs> I think it was around there in those days, yeah. probably. So you should bring that back. That's what, what I'm saying. I'm uh, taking notes. Yeah. So you were hired by the Warriors at age 22. I was hired by the Chronicle at age 22. So good to find your dream job and stick with it, right? <laughs> I, I didn't know it at the time, but yes, I, I, I guess the, the way it's gone, uh, that is a that is a good way to say it. Do you remember your first job interview and what that was like? Uh, vividly. So I, um, different than a lot of people, I didn't grow up knowing that you could work in sports. Like I, you know, like when I realized that I wasn't good enough to play in the NBA or Major League Baseball, I grew up a big Giants fan, big 49ers fan as well. I didn't understand or, or have an appreciation for what the business of sports was. And by the way, we've got... 540 employees today. When I started with the Warriors, we had about 75. Wow. So it was a different thing. 
But I, so I, I graduated um, from UCLA in 2001, business economics major, accounting minor, and thought I would get into uh, investment banking or venture capital or something. And maybe I should have, by the way. <laughs> but the stock market had just crashed. Um, and so when I started looking for a career type of job, I had great interviews and, and they were like, look, we're, we're firing people. Like, we'd love to hire you, but like, we're letting people go because the economy was in a really bad place. And I had a, a family friend um, by the name of Jeff Krolik who was the general manager of Fox Sports Net at the time, which was our RSN partner. Now, of course, it's NBC Sports Bay Area, um, and offered to put in a word with the Giants and the Warriors. I never heard from the Giants, and of course, was really smart and never followed up. Um, and heard from the Warriors <laughs> like two months later. Diane McCoslin was the woman's name who reached out, and uh, was she was the executive assistant for Robert Rowell. Yeah. So she said, uh, Robert would like to meet with you. Of course, everyone knew him as Bobby. but I, I went to college with Bobby Rowell at Cal at Poly. At Cal Poly, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, there, there you have it. Yeah. So, so at the time, he was... COO, I didn't even know, like, I did, I did no due diligence, really smart. And I walked in and, you know, he was, I think, 37 at the time. Um, and we really hit it off. So we, we had a great conversation. And by the end of that meeting, he introduced me to the ticket folks and offered me a job before I left that day. Uh, so that's how it started. Wow. I think I read it. Connor, uh, Connor wrote an article, my, our colleague uh, Letourneau wrote that you were wearing your dad's suit. Was- <laughs> I, I left out that detail, but it's true. I, I put on one of my dad's suits because again, I'm 22. I didn't, I didn't, um, and my dad at the, in those days used to wear a suit every day. That's ended a long time ago. But yeah, it was one of my dad's suits in those days. Nice. What was it like cold calling people to buy Warriors tickets on a team without Steph Curry or Clay Thompson? It's funny that you ask. Um, I actually started my day today talking with our ticket sales team, uh, which I hadn't done in a long time, but we've got some, some new people, uh, sort of about 20 of them in the room, and I was, I was talking to them about how, how I started, and you know, it's a little different than the environment with, with which they're starting. Um, <laughs> so in those days, by the way, people used this device, I'm holding my iPhone, as a phone more than anything else. Uh, and back then, of course, it wasn't an iPhone. It was a flip phone or something. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting. So you're calling people and, hey, this is Brandon Schneider from the Golden State Warriors. Who are they? Uh, have you heard of Michael Jordan? Yes, we play against him. All right. Or, or you'd get, hey, Brandon Schneider, Golden State Warriors. Um, you guys suck. Like, like that, like honestly. And, and people, it's funny. These like, are like the Eric Dampier, you know, Donald Foyle years. Was Jay Rich there yet? I Jay Rich know. was there. Okay, so, so my first two years, Eric Musselman was the coach. But it was, it was different in those days. We were trying to find people just that wanted to go to games. You know, we, people forget we were in the middle of an 18-year span where we made the playoffs one time. It's hard to do that in a league where 16 out of 30 teams make it. <laughs> I, I, I used to come out here. There was nothing here before Chase Center was built. I mean, Mission Bay, historically, you go back to the Gold Rush. This is where they dumped the bodies. Um, warehouses. Later, they built the BART tube and the um, steelworks right over there, Bethlehem Steel. Are there advantages and disadvantages building in a place like this, like next to a dead shipyard, there's, you know, space to do things, but it's also a blank slate? Yeah, I think I think the advantage that that we had with this site, I mean, you know, obviously finding an 11 acre plot in San Francisco, downtown San Francisco is not easy to do, right? It's different than other parts of the country where sometimes, you know, these buildings are built. I mean, you could go to Memphis or you go to Indiana or you go to, you know, pick, pick an NBA city, it, the environment's different than it is in San Francisco. So that was important. But, but finding a site 
you know, right on the water. Um, and then the other thing, you know, you guys know, we were originally looking at Piers 30 and 32, which would have been spectacular, by the way, um, views out to the Bay Bridge and, and all that. And I think we were all really excited about that. But as we started going through the process and listening uh, to the community, um, you know, and just looking at all the logistics, I think we all agree that we ended up in a better spot here. And part of that is just the um, accessibility. Right. So, I mean, we have two front doors, right? We're sitting here by the by the west sort of quote unquote main entrance, but we have a second main entrance on the east water side uh, where you've got seeing spheres, you know, the Olafur Eliasson piece of art, which is incredible. Um, but but having having the arena so accessible um, on every side and then transit, you know, the central subway will be opening up before the start of next season. Hopefully, it was supposed to open. I think like three years ago originally. <laughs> Heather's got a few Central Subway questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, you know, Central Subway letting off right across the street. So for people coming from the city or coming from the East Bay that connect, you know, take Bart, connect to the Central Subway, drops off right at our front door. Um, you're gonna have a new ferry uh, terminal coming in the next couple years. You have Caltrain uh, coming from the the South Bay and the Peninsula. So having all of that. Um, and, and we still have parking for people that want to drive, but it's so transit friendly that I think it's it's really come together nicely. Well, I write a lot about what a nightmare it is to work with City Hall when you're trying to get anything built or done in this city. And what was it like for you guys to have to work with notoriously bureaucratic San Francisco? Um, I think I think what I would say is we were um, very pleased with the support that we have received. And, and my predecessor, um, Rick Welts, you know, is the one that that really led those efforts with the city. I mean, you know, just last week we unveiled our statue from yeah, Mayor, we can Mayor see Ed from Lee, here. which, by the way, came out like unbelievable. Yeah. So looks so realistic, and we love it because he was really a man of the people, um, and so he is. Like, so we're all looking, and, and you listening can't see this, but Mayor Ed Lee statue is sitting on the front row of the steps outside the gatehouse. What I like to say is he will forever have a front row seat looking at Chase Center. Aww. But he viewed this as his legacy project, um, you know, and, and after his unfortunate passing, you know, we had Mayor, Mayor Farrell, who, who was a big um, advocate, and now Mayor Breed, um, who's been incredible. You know, Matt Haney was the, the, the supervisor here in our district, although that's changing as of today. Yeah. Uh, I think we all know. Um, but we, what we would, I think what we would say, and what, when I say we, Rick, and, and all of us would say is that the process worked. Um, you know, we started on the piers. Uh, and had a lot of opposition there. And, and we think we could have done a great project there. But as we looked at it and, and pivoted here and listened to the community, I think we got a lot of good feedback. And, and that's that's what we've tried to do from day one, was go through the process the right way um, and, and really build a project that, that would be great for everybody in San Francisco, not just Warriors fans, but but everybody. Um, and I think, I think if you if you ask the mayor or, or different members of of you know the San Francisco politics uh, and people that work for us, I think everybody would say that we've really succeeded in that mission. He poked a lot of fun at himself for being short. I think he was five four, so I think he would like that his statue is actually bigger than than life size. That's <laughs> funny you say that. We we talked about that because it's like, and again, we're looking. We have the advantage of being able to see it right now. It's like it's not like crazy big, but it's definitely slightly bigger than life size. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's kind of perfect because if you're sitting next to a statue that you're like the same size or in this case, maybe bigger than, it's kind it of weird. weird. Yeah, yeah, so in this case, like it's going to be slightly bigger than <laughs> than most humans. Uh, certainly the three of us, I would say. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it worked out well. One of the big promises the city made was that, you know, the central subway would be open and Muni would be very easy to get here. Still hasn't happened. It's so late and over budget and, you know, nobody knows exactly when it's going to open. Is, has that been frustrating? Um. Frustrating is a good word. Um, I think it's affected our East Bay fans probably the most. What I would say 
I mean, I think the latest delays are probably COVID attributed. Um, and so, and, and for that same reason, it hasn't affected us as much because, you know, we obviously, our 1920 season ended early and then you had the couple of COVID years where we didn't, we had no fans and then we had a few fans. Um, and it, we're, I think we're just getting to the point where, where the masses are comfortable using public transit. So I think, um, you know, as we get, if it weren't done by next season, it would start to get more frustrating. All signs point toward, because it's done, they're just testing it. Uh-huh. Um, so I, everything I hear is that it will be done for next season. But I, I think it was disappointing that it wasn't done for our launch year. So, because, you know, when we first opened Chase Center, um, about 70% of our fans were, were coming uh, via transit. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, you can do it from the East Bay without the Central Subway, but it's not nearly um, as smooth as it will be. So we're frustrated, yes, but, but you know, I always look ahead, right? We're, we're excited that it's finally going to be done. Yeah. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another um, famous piece of art around the other side is those big silver selfie balls. And um, we came from this side, so I haven't walked past them today. But last I saw, they were vandalized. Are they still, and how are you going to fix those? Yeah. So the artist uh, lives in Europe. Um, uh, he's a Danish Icelandic artist, Olafur Eliasson. So we're working with with him and his people to get it fixed because the, the by the way, the fact that it was vandalized is like when you talk about frustrated, that's actually not strong enough of a word. Like, yeah, I bet. you know, this is a this is a piece of art that we spent a lot of money on. That's that's public art. I mean, it's yeah. it's there. You can walk by that at any point in the day, and you see people interacting with it. it, it it's really cool. Um, and so the fact that somebody chose to do what they did was, I mean, it's did just, they just smash every glass piece or what happened all five pieces um are broken it wasn't smashed because we have surveillance um cameras on all aspects of our property and there's there's nothing on the camera so we think somebody may have used a pellet gun or something from distance i don't i don't know if that's confirmed at this point but it it's um it's it's really too bad i mean not not forget us i mean just for the public right um but we are working to get it fixed um asap um because it's you know, it's just cool. It's a, it's a part of that entrance to Chase Center. So yeah. hopefully it'll be fixed very, very soon. Cool. Uh, little Ed, Ed Lee trivia, by the way. He was a baller. I don't know if you know this. He was a very good basketball player. I tried to get him to shoot around with me uh, before he passed. It was always like there was something going on. But uh, we heard from uh, Rose Pack and other people that he was an extremely good basketball player in his 30s. So just a little trivia for you as you're talking <laughs> about the statue to people. I like that. I met his brother um, the other day at the event too, who's talking about talking about some of their competitiveness uh, growing up. So yeah. I, 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 uh, I'm not surprised to hear that. Uh, we are recording in an area that's going to be absolutely wild um, in uh, a couple of days, and and I'm planning to come out with my son. What can I expect? What's it been like here? Well, so you said it's going to be wild in a couple of days. That that is a fact. It's also going to be wild in a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, a home game tonight, and he's referring to the watch party I, when they're away. I know. Well, so so we've got, and we've had people um, 
we've had watch parties people out there for home games too by yeah. the way but uh when you bring your son on friday it is going to be amazing so it is we, we get about three thousand people here uh, about 2,500 in the plaza and a, another 500 up on the esplanade we've got uh you know the huge outdoor video board so it's it's basically like finding a sports bar that is only um warriors and is family friendly by the way so i guess different from a sports bar in that way um, and it's just everyone wearing Warriors gear, rooting on their team. And, you know, we have like face painting and we've had our dunk team out here. So we, we kind of Warriorsized it, if that's, <laughs> if that's a, a, a correct word. Um, but it's been, you know, I, I'm, I'm bummed to not get to be here live because I've been in Denver and Memphis for these road games. But watching the video and just hearing from people that were here, like my understanding, like we envision this happening, but it's, I think it's even better than what we, you know, what we envisioned all those years back. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And, and you can hang out with Ed Lee. He's right there. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, you survived our serious questions and now it's time for the lightning round and you can answer these, um, San Francisco or peninsula. You can do Bay area. Okay. Where's your favorite place to get a burrito? Whew. You asked a good question there. I'm a burrito person. Um, I probably have to answer with some local to where I live now. So I'm going to say La Corneta on Burlingame Avenue. Oh, I go to La Corneta in Glen Park. It might be the same. Where's your favorite place to get a stiff drink? Uh, this is this is going to come off as very self-serving, but it's also a true answer. I'm going to say Miller and Lux. Um, I'm, so I am not a big drinker. I mostly wine, and I used to do an occasional vodka soda. During the pandemic, I started drinking bourbon. So I've gotten into bourbon, and... If you go to the bar downstairs at Miller and Lux, it feels, I don't know why, but it feels like you should have a Manhattan. So I go there, when I, when I go there and I'm a Friday night or something, get a Manhattan at Miller and Lux. It is so good. Sounds good. So I, I gr actually grew up, I lived on Burlingame Avenue um, growing up. Is Bit of England still there? <laughs> no. <laughs> Bit of England's Bit of England's long gone. <laughs> oh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your all-time favorite warrior? Gosh, people ask me that now, like, who's your favorite player in the team? And I'm like, I like all of them because they're all, I mean, we're, we're fortunate, great players and great people. I mean, uh -huh. that's really like every guy on our team. I think I, ha I mean, I think I have to say Stephen Curry. Yeah. What about, what about when you were a kid? My favorite warrior when I was a kid, I would probably say Tim Hardaway because I was uh, always short and I love playing basketball, but I was like the point guard. So watching him at whatever he is, six feet, six one, and as quick as he was, I loved watching. Uh, I love watching Timmy, yeah. the killer crossover out of UTEP. <laughs> <laughs> what was your best Warriors game you ever saw live? Well, I already told you about my first game, which was which was pretty good. Although my memory from when I was how old was I? I was um, seven years old, so my memory of that is not as vivid. I'm going to say. Do I have to pick just one, or can I cheat a little bit? You can do two. I can do two? <laughs> I was going to cheat even more than that. All right, so I will say um, June of 2017, Game 5 against Cleveland, when we won the championship. By the way, to go 16-1 and one in the playoffs that year, which is the best record ever for a playoff uh, wow. run. But to win the champ, We had won in 2015, but to win that championship at home, in front of our home crowd, I'll never forget that. I mean, that was... That was amazing. And then the second one, I think I have to say the first game at Chase Center. You know, it's funny. Our last game at 
at Oracle Arena, which also, last regular season game at Oracle was a big one for me too. That, that was against the Clippers, as was our first game here at Chase Center. But that was the culmination of so many years of work. Like, all of us, everyone that works with the Warriors, our ownership, Joe Lake and Peter Gruber, everybody, spent so much time trying to get every detail of Chase Center right. Um, and so when we actually had our first game, um, I'll never forget that. It was so special. Be honest, what went through your head when Dylan Brooks hurt Gary Payton Jr. the other night? Um, so I was sitting five rows behind our bench and watching Steve Kerr, maybe as mad as I've ever seen him, um, just angry because, you know, and, and so you asked my initial reaction, I think, right? My lasting, so my initial reaction, I think, was probably anger because you're watching this and you're watching the replay. And even when they showed the replay, I'm in Memphis, right? You show the replay and they gasped. Like, their reaction was if it was their own player. That's when he knew how bad it was, yeah. when the home crowd, like, realized how bad that just had happened. And I don't think, you know, I always assume positive intent. I don't think Dylan Brooks did it on purpose to injure Gary Payton. I don't believe that at all. But it was a dangerous play, and and, and, and my lasting um, uh, sentiments towards it is just, I just feel bad for Gary. Um, you know, he's up for, by the way, a community assist, season-long community assist award, like, which is a community award the NBA does, which is indicative of what a good guy is. But this guy's been, in Steve, words, Steve Kerr's words, toiling around the NBA for six years, trying to find a home and trying to kind of make this a career for himself. And he's finally, like, found a place and has had this impact and was starting in the second round of, you know, the conference semifinals against Memphis. And for him to break his elbow, I actually saw him after the game um, when we were getting on the bus, and, you know how you how you feeling, Gary? I'll I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And he, that's just the kind of guy he is. Just a positive, good guy. You know, you, you go like tonight. He'll be in the tunnel on the bike, like during the game, like wants to play. So I just feel bad for him because this was his time to shine. Um, I think he'll still be in a spot to. I mean, I hope he's on our team for a long time. Um, but I I really feel bad for Gary. What a season! I I, I coach youth basketball and my homework my only homework i gave to the kids was watch a warriors game and watch gary payton for a quarter and just watch how he plays i mean he doesn't take a second off it's not he doesn't take a playoff he doesn't take a second off so very sad well last question what's something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day lunch (laughs) Uh, i say that i say that jokingly i don't eat breakfast so i definitely have to eat lunch um, I mean, look, I would say a couple things. I make sure, because uh, I have a five-year-old, so I make sure to see him every morning before I go to work, because I'm here all day. Yeah. Um, and he goes to bed early, so I don't always see him at night. So I make sure I see my son every day. Um, the other thing that I I make, this is probably more what you're asking me, um, I make sure to um, at least spend a couple different stints like walking through the office. Um, and this is one of the things like when you're working from home, the people that I work with on a day-to-day basis, I saw on the screen as much or more than I typically did. But what you lose is everybody else, right? Like the people that I'm not in meetings with. And so when you come back, I don't take that for granted. So I, I like, I want to know every single person that I work with, right? We, so we have 540, I think I said this earlier, full-time employees. We have another 4,000 part-time, um, Unfortunately, I don't know every single one of them, but I want to know every single person I work with. So I walk, I, I make sure at least a couple times a day I walk through and kind of at least give a wave and say hello to people as I walk by, uh, just because I think I think that's an important part of my job. Great. Well, it was a lot of fun to talk and go Warriors. Go Warriors. And do you have time? You are a very busy man. There is a Warriors game in, in less than, what, two, couple three hours. hours as we're recording. Do you have time to run down with us and take a selfie with Ed Lee? 
<laughs> uh, I would love to do that. Awesome. <laughs> We're going to go do that. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 